0: Well, my goal in this series was that you and I would be able to approach 2020 uh, being able to make better decisions, to have less regrets, to live more effectively, to live uh, more wisely, to experience uh, inwardly a better quality of life. And and I thought to help us get get a kind of a first step on that. That this series might be helpful. Now, what we've traced is that if we can see life the way that our Creator sees life, it's going to put us on a good track. It puts us in a good position to live a better quality of life, one that's better for us, better for everybody that interacts with us. We started with the first message saying that it's God's intention that each of us learn to process our past with God, because if we don't, our past tends to contaminate our present. Then we looked at What about our present? In the present, if we've been reconciled to God, if we've put our trust in Christ and we are his followers, God wants us to see ourselves presently as different, as those that he's called and chosen. We're his children. We're forgiven. We're certain of eternal life. We are his his agents that he's going to work through on earth, and he wants us to see ourselves that way. Then we looked at what about our future, clarifying our future, and we looked last week that God wants us to understand that this life is primarily a developmental journey, that he's helping us to grow, to become more like the Christ-like version of ourself that he always intended us to be, and that every circumstance in this life, even those that we would say are unpleasant or painful or, you know, hard times, that those are part of the training. So today we come to Another key component in this, going into 2020, being able to make better decisions, live regret-free for the most part and so on, and that's that you and I need to know what we really believe. What are our core beliefs, if you wanted to approach it like that. Now, each of us, each of us, we sit here, we we have a set of core beliefs. We probably are not aware of what they are. We've probably never sat down and written them down. But believe me, we have a core set of beliefs. And that core set of beliefs, it's kind of like, tinted glasses, it's the way you and I view life, it's the way we view people, the way we view ourselves, we will tend to make our decisions based on that, we'll also, you'll see next week, we create our value system from that vision or that set of beliefs, in other words, what becomes important to us is the result of what we really believe, and so we want to just zoom in on that a little bit today, clarifying my vision or, or what I believe about life. I'd like you to turn to get us started, a quick start to John's Gospel, chapter 8. It'll be page 1208 in those Bibles that are near you on the chair. John, chapter 8, and we're going to start with verse 12. I'm going to kind of go 12, 13, and then 30 through 36. While you're turning there, just a little interesting factoid about the Gospel of John. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are very similar in chronological layout, the Gospel of John is very different. For example when you come to John chapter 8 where we're going we're going to go to in just a second you're you're in the last months of Jesus life and, and so from John 8 to the rest of the end of the Gospel of John, you're dealing with the very fragmentary end of Jesus' ministry. Whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they kind of deal more even-handedly with the entire three-and-a-half-year ministry. Okay, this is a little interesting factoid. But mind you, this is just the final months of Jesus' life when we're reading this in John eight twelve, It starts, Jesus spoke out again. I am the light of the world, the one who does what? follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life now this was a this was a huge claim it's hard for us to kind of get our heads in a historic mode where we can experience this the way it's meant to be picture picture a 33 year old man approximately 33 year old man he is talking you're going to see in a minute he's talking to the theologians the religious leaders of his day they would have probably all been older than him considered themselves experts when it came to the whole subject of God. He's a 33-year-old man, and he is speaking to people and these theologians, and he's saying, I'm the light of the entire world. Now, they would have understood exactly what he meant. He was saying, I am the source of all infinite knowledge. I am the source of all knowledge of what is true, of what is reliable. I'm the key knowledge into wisdom into insight he knew he, they knew he was claiming divinity because only God is infinite and has this kind of knowledge he's saying that unless people will take his viewpoint on life they will walk in darkness fumbling around not knowing who we are while we're here how we're designed to live and so forth so it's an extraordinary claim that we could easily read over quickly because we're so used to you know hearing the bible now look at the reaction of those who are there. And this kind of gives us a sense of the gravity of what he claimed. So the Pharisees, verse 13, the Pharisees, that's the religious leaders, theologians of his time, uh, objected, you testify about yourself. Your testimony is not, what do they say? It's not true. Picture this. You talk about the ultimate undercover boss. This, This is the creator of the universe and these religious guys are more religious than the creator of the universe. He's not religious enough. He's not attuned to them. They are telling the creator of the universe, you are a liar. Now, they didn't believe. Here we go again about beliefs. They didn't believe he was the creator of the universe. But that's what was taking place here. It's stunning when you look at it in the light that it was, it was really given him. Pick up, if you would, now reading in verse 30. It says, while he was saying these things, and a big conversation, you can read it on your own sometime between he and these religious leaders occurs. It's kind of a a little bit of a, a conflict. While he was saying these things, many people believed in him. Sounds positive, sounds good. Then Jesus said to those Judeans who had what? Believed in him. So he's talking to those that it said earlier believed in him. If, now whenever you see if in a scripture, you know this this is a conditional promise. If I do something, God will do something. If you continue to, this is the condition, if you continue to do what? Follow my what? Teaching. If you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples. Let's look at it another way. If you don't continue to follow my teaching, you're not really my disciple. Okay, that's just so we get clarity on this. If if, If you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciple, and you will know the truth, this is the truth about God, the truth about life, and the truth will do what? Set you free. Now, we hear this phrase used a lot, it's even used in TV shows, oh, the truth will set you free, the truth will set you free. But what was Jesus talking about freedom from? Well, If you just read a few verses on, he becomes crystal clear about what he was talking about. So let's read on. In verse 33, the people listening reacted quite angrily. We are descendants of Abraham, they replied, and have never been anyone's slaves. How can you say you will become free? Jesus answered, I tell you the solemn truth. Everyone who practices what? sin and sin folks just to you know get clarity on this sin is our loving creator telling us these particular things these practices are contrary to the way I design you. They will never help you. They will never build you. They will never bless you. They will never bless anybody. God is not some spoil sport. He knows some things just will never work, and he calls those things sin. It is a loving creator trying to keep us from frustration, from hurting ourselves and hurting others ultimately. So he goes on to say, he says, um, Jesus answered him, I tell you the solemn truth. Everyone who practices sin is a slave, meaning they're, they're under the power of sin. The slave does not remain in the family forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be really free. So Jesus is saying, first of all, that a real disciple, a real disciple one that is truly trusted in him, is one that is his follower, and the proof of that is that person will continue to follow Jesus' teaching. They will learn God's will. They will study it. They will take it into themselves. They will apply it in life. In other words, if I trust Jesus, when he says, stop doing something, Randy, I'm going to stop it. If I trust Jesus, when he says, learn this, Randy, develop this characteristic, develop this practice. If I trust Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to Follow his teaching lifelong because I actually trust him. And Jesus says that anyone that does this will find freedom from the power of sin. Maybe there are habits that have rutted in deeply in a real follower of Jesus' life, but Jesus says if we follow his teaching, we follow him, ultimately the power of these sins will be broken and we will be free from them. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, man, are you talking about being sinless, sinless perfection? No, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I'm talking about sinning less if we trust Christ he will give us the power to break free from sin that's what the passage is teaching now again it goes back to this notion though that all truth resided in Jesus that Jesus knew the truth was the source of the truth in the entire universe and that's what we've said in this series that for you and I to have 20-20 vision I'm finite, I need someone who is infinite, who can tell me the truth about things that I can't comprehend and that I don't understand unless the infinite creator tells me those things. So let's start by asking ourselves, what do we believe? We all have a set of core beliefs, as we sit here today. We all believe certain things are true about life, whether they are or not. What we don't probably know is what are our core set of beliefs are. But, but let's look at some fundamental beliefs to start with. Let me, let me show you a picture to get us started. Mount Rushmore, just curious, I've asked this in each service so far. How many have ever actually been there and seen Mount Rushmore? Okay, every service, a lot of people. I, I, I always put my hand up, you know, but I've never been there. I just, I just do it because your hand is up, that's all. Uh, here's the extraordinary thing about Mount Mount Rushmore. It all is the product of time and chance. The wind just kept blowing, and the wind kept circulating, and over time, those faces of those American presidents just came in. Now, you guys are looking like you believe that. You're supposed to be saying, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Yet, Given enough time and chance, the faces of the presidents can result. Really? But that's what a lot of very intelligent people want to tell us is the truth about the origin of everything. That everything came from nothing for no reason. Now, nothing is nothing. (laughs) Let me ask you, hold your hands out like that just for a second. Bear with me. Put up with me for a bit. Okay, you can see. Do you agree there's nothing in your hands? Now, close them. Cup them like this. Is there anybody in this room that's afraid when you open your hands a cat's gonna be in there? No. Open your hands and what do you have? What you started with, nothing. Because nothing, (laughs) it's nothing. And nothing can't create something because it's nothing. And yet there are intelligent people that want us to believe the entire universe came from nothing. Complex, living things from nothing for no reason. Consider the parts of our own body. Here here you go. Here's some wild factoids for you. The human eye is composed of more than 2 million working parts. A 747 has 6 million parts. 3 million of those parts are just rivets and bolts and stuff. So there's about 3 million working parts in a 747 jet. Every one of those three, three million parts have been carefully planned and designed by a smart person. But they want us to believe that our eye that's composed of two million working parts, it was just time and chance. It just happened by accident. Even though some of those parts, by the way, are the product of irreducible complexity, meaning they could not have gradually been created. They had to be there in full developed form for the eye to ever come into existence. Another story. The human ear can hear some 400,000 different sounds. All by chance, an accident, they want us to believe. Some of you can hear even more sounds than that. The human heart pumps roughly a million barrels of blood. That's kind of gross, but I know it's, it's, it's just important to know these things. A million barrels of blood in a normal lifetime, enough to fill up three super tankers, but it's all just by accident. It just, it's just, you know, this is just fiat, you know, fiat of chance. Now, contrast that with what the scriptures tell us jesus being the source of all light and truth the source of scriptures in the book of romans the apostle paul writing to followers of christ living in the city of rome he said they know the truth about god why because because he has made it what is the word obvious to them the power of observation i did a whole series uh, called The Thinker in which I said we're going to set aside the Bible to start with and we're just going to use the powers of observation and reasoning and see what we can conclude about life. And so I started each of the messages with a with an issue. Uh, for example, where did everything come from? And then we just used our powers of observation and our powers of reasoning and then we compared that, the conclusions we came to, with what we find in the Bible. And in case after case we we found it completely unified so that verse well it's okay well well, thank you (laughs) they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious we can observe he's made it obvious to them now the next part tells us how ever since the creation of the universe by the way, those that follow the Big Bang believe that there was a time the universe did not, did not exist about 13 and a half billion years ago. They're already starting to question that theory. But anyway, ever since the creation of the universe, his invisible, invisible qualities, both his eternal power and his divine nature, have been what? Clearly, invisible, clearly seen. Invisible qualities, clearly seen. It sounds like a contradiction unless you read the rest. Because they can be understood remember what I said observation and reasoning understanding is the ability to reason they can be understood from what he has what does it say made. made therefore they have no excuse in other words let's go back to that 747 jet you know six million parts now the thing we we know though is that occasionally once in a while not doesn't happen very often but with time and chance a tornado will go through a junkyard and out will come a 747 we all know that to be true right It's ridiculous, of course. But this is what some of the best and the brightest theoretical physicists want us to believe. That everything came from nothing. Just give it enough time and enough chance. It's it's on the basis of our reasoning faculties and our abilities to observe, it's ridiculous. You know that a 747 took careful planning and great intelligence and design and purpose. We could go through any number of things and come to the same kind of conclusions listen to something that uh, a guy that is a physicist his name is Don Nelson he is a theoretical physicist listen to what he says the probability of the universe happening by chance by just chance it's 10 the number 10 followed by (laughs) I kid you not a billion 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 zeros repeated a billion billion times if you started writing the zeros when the universe began, you would still not be finished. He's saying if you go back 13 and a half billion years ago and you started writing zeros, you'd, be, you'd just be looking at something like this. And it would just go on and on and on. And you would never end. So he's saying statistically, the statistical probability of the universe being accidentally created, coming to existence from nothing, he says, is ridiculous. So it all depends on what theoretical physicist you you really listen to to determine about what is true about the universe. I chose at age 23 to believe that if Jesus was the creator of the universe, I would look to him to tell me the truth about all things. I mean, why should I listen to people that study the universe when I can go to the one that created the universe? Why should I listen to people that study the atom when I can go to the one that created the atom? And so Jesus said he's the light of the world. All truth, truth about you, the truth about your nature, truth about me, truth about the way relationships work or don't work, the truth about what's happening in our world and why, the truth about where it's heading, all of it, it's all found in Jesus. It's all centered in him. Let me go on and show you one other thing. This is really interesting to me. It's an important mystery. By the way, this is from NASA. You can look this up on your own. Uh, it turns out that roughly 68% of the universe is dark energy. They don't even know what it is. They they, they can see something that causes them to believe it exists. Dark matter makes up 27%. The rest of everything on Earth, everything ever observed—my word—with all our instruments, all normal matter adds up to less than you tell me, five percent. Do you know what that means? That means that our theoretical physicists, the best and the brightest. They're operating. They're, they're giving their dogmatic ideas and theories based on a 5% knowledge base. Now, suppose you go to your doctor and you pay for a lot of expensive testing. You know, you're not feeling that good. And you go to the doctor and you, do, you pay for a lot of expensive testing. And so the testing comes back and you go to your doctor and you're saying, okay, doc, I mean, I'm, I'm not feeling too good. Tell me what condition my condition is in. And the doctor says, well... I can tell you this, I'm about 5% sure that this is what your problem is. How many of you are going to another doctor? Can I just see your hands? I'm going to another doctor. 5% does not cut it. I mean, give me at least 50-50. But I'd rather it be 95, right, wouldn't we? And yet, people are depending on the truth about life itself, the life of the universe, the meaning that's connected with the source, We're we're depending on people that have 5% of knowledge. It's ridiculous. What, What am I trying to get at? Do not be intimidated by the scientific community today. Do not be intimidated by those that will try to make it sound as if intelligent people would not be believers in the Scripture, in the God of the Scripture. And most importantly, in Christ who reveals the God of the scripture. Do not be intimidated by them because their knowledge base is minute and not to be, again, something that we are fearful of. Listen to this verse from John's gospel. If we would have read the earlier verses in John's gospel, chapter one, uh, verse one through three, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's, It's talking about Jesus and it says that all things were created, were created by him. He is the creator of the universe. It's repeated in the New Testament. But in 14th verse, it says, the Word became a human being. We kind of celebrate that as Christmas. The Word became a human being, and He lived here with us. We saw His true glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. Here's the important part I want to get to you. From Him, from Jesus, from Him, all the kindness and all the truth of God have come down to us. Jesus is the one that can give you and I all the truth that we need so that we can live life with a 2020 vision, so that we can know the things that really matter. For example, Jesus talks about things you can't see. He talks about angels. He talks about judgment. He talks about his second coming. He talks about a new heaven and a new earth. All these things, they need to be the basis of our operation as we function in everyday life if we're going to live with a 2020 vision. In other words, we, we need to function on the basis of things that are invisible. You'll see how important that is a little bit later. So what do we believe? Are our beliefs centered in what God has revealed to us in Christ and, more importantly, what's contained in the Scriptures? Because God wants us to understand these things so that we can live effective, intelligent lives. Now, you might be wondering, well, well, why does what I believe matter? Because we hear more and more today, it doesn't really be, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it, man. Nobody can tell you what's, what's right or wrong. As long as you're sincere, you can believe anything you want. In fact, it's really gotten you know unusual today that if I decide to believe that I am a 10-foot-tall tomato, uh, you must affirm me. You, you must, you, you'd say, but you, you just look like a little aging small fella. Um <laughs> Oh, no, 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 but I'm, but I'm actually an eight-foot-tall tomato, and you insult me if you don't affirm that I'm a ten-foot-tall or eight-foot-tall tomato. I mean, this is the day and age we live in. It's really kind of bizarre. More common is this notion. When it comes to spirituality spirituality is just kind of this, this smorgasbord. You know, it's all laid out on a big table. You know, well, here's Hinduism and here's Buddhism and here's Islam and here's Judaism and here's Christianity and here's a whole bunch of other things. And and so you just, like, come to the table because you've you got these spiritual stirrings in you, you know. And so you just come to the table and you just kind of pick whatever floats your boat. Man, it doesn't matter, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, but be, maybe mix them all together. It's, it's, it's a safer bet. Let's just try a little because it, the approach is this. It doesn't matter. It's all what you want. Nobody can say that there's only one. There's only one. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know your name? Do you, do, lady right there. Do you know your name? <laughs> what is it? Annie? Angela. Are you sure? Suppose all of us together said, we don't think your name's Angela. Would you fight with us? Would you, would you resist and say, but it is Angela. Angela, you're awfully proud and arrogant. We are all, we all sincerely believe your name is Cherie. <laughs> but you would resist, wouldn't you? You'd say you're all, everyone, all of us are wrong, and you're right. How intolerant. <laughs> but she'd be right. You see, I, I mean, we, we, we could decide that two and two make seven. and Some of you are not sure. You're not that good in math. You're but we'd be wrong. It doesn't matter how sincere we are. There is a thing as truth. You know, gravity is real. It's pretty darn insistent. You you can try to break gravity, but you just end up getting broken. You you can't ignore it. So it matters. It matters what we believe, and if what we believe is true is not true, we're going to pay a price for it it's critical that we understand this. Let me share with you a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, which talks an awful lot about these unseen realities. For we fix our attention not on things that are seen, taste it, touch it, smell it, you know, feel it, and all like that, hear it. Not on things that are seen, but on things that are what? Unseen. Unseen realities that only the infinite creator Christ can reveal to us that are true. What can be seen lasts only for a time. But what cannot be seen does what? Lasts forever. Now, there are people today that, you know, they're, they're materialists and they're kind of proud. And they just say, you know, if I can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, smell it, you know, hear it, I don't believe it exists. Just curious, how many of you have ever had an x-ray? Can I see your hands? Have you ever seen an x-ray with your eyes? No. Ansel, you've never seen an x-ray. <laughs> See, once I know your name, I'll mess with you. (laughs) Um, But yet, if you're like me, I'll take that big heavy blanket every time. How many of you take the big heavy lead blanket every time? Can I see your hands? But you can't see that x-ray. They could be faking us, right? We can't see it. But we're scared of it because we know the truth. Gamma rays, x-rays, invisible are powerful realities. Microwaves are invisible but they're real. We know that that gravity exists. We can't see it, but we can see the results of it. I mean, I could go down the list. How, how many of you you feeling okay? You should, everybody breathing okay in here right now? Catch is your breath, breath alright? But you can't see the oxygen you're taking in and taking out, can you? But you know it's there because it's allowing you to live. It's invisible, but it's real so is true of many spiritual realities and if we walk through life functioning as though those spiritual realities aren't there we're not going to be able to live wisely we're going to make counterproductive decisions we're going to hurt ourselves we're going to hurt ones we love and not even mean to and at the end of life we're going to realize that we have been miserably blind and deceived we've invested our lives in that which ultimately will not matter at all and that's not a good thing. Ask the question again, does it matter what we believe? Look at this, in practical studies, research now shows that it may not be stress that poses a risk to one's health, but the belief that stress is what? Now, they've been telling us this for 30 years, that stress is bad for you, and we've all believed it. Now, the same researchers are coming back and reexamining this stuff, and they're saying, no, 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 it's not the stress that's bad for you, it's if you believe it's bad for you. It goes on to say this, There are no or very minimal negative effects when a major or minor stressful circumstance is viewed as a what? Challenge. What this is saying, if you believe stress is bad for you, it's going to be bad for you, (laughs) okay? But if you believe stress is just a challenge, it will not be bad for you. Look again. Here's another. A Christian's proper attitude toward trials and adversities factor in stress But if you factor that these things are all under God's control, it results in not worse health, but better health, both in mind and body. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that you can face stress in life, adversities, trials, struggles, hardships, pain, unpleasantries? But if you know that a loving God, if a loving God is still in control, that these things can actually benefit you and not hurt you. Here again, one more. This is not a Christian study. A study by Rush University Medical Center in Chicago found that believe in a concerned God can improve response to medical treatment. In patients diagnosed with clinical depression, the operative word here is caring. The researcher said the study found that those with strong beliefs in a personal and concerned God were more likely to experience improvement. Does it matter what you believe? Yes, it does. It actually produces physiological as well as emotional healing based on what we believe, whether we believe rightly or wrongly. So our beliefs powerfully, powerfully affect us, and it matters what we believe. Hebrews 11 gets us focused again in the spiritual realm. Now faith or trust is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we what? Do not see. We don't, we don't see the eternal realm yet. We, we don't see the new heaven and the new earth that we talked about last week. But I live and I have lived since age 23 in confidence, assurance that it's there and it's awaiting. And that factors into the way I have faced everything I have ever faced in my life. It matters. It matters a great deal what we believe. Second Corinthians 5 goes so far to say that Christ followers, those that have put their trust in Christ and are living, like Jesus said, following his teaching, continuing to follow his teaching, indeed our lives are guided by faith or trust, not by what? Not by sight. We, we, we don't go by just the things we can see, taste, touch, feel, hear, or smell. We go by the truth that God reveals in his word that we've received through Christ. So let me close with this illustration that kind of shows how powerful what we believe is and if our beliefs are based on what is true. There's this lady, her name is Gayla Benfield and back in the late 1980's uh, she had a job as a meter reader out in Libby, Montana. Now Montana is, is known to be fiercely cold in the winter times so she was a meter reader and so she went house to house to read people's meters and As she was starting in this, she noticed a really alarming trend. She she found that there were way too many homes, disproportionate number of homes with people in their 40s and 50s that had oxygen tanks in there. They were suffering respiratory diseases. And so this troubled her because she knew this was just not normative. There was something wrong here. So she started on her own doing some research on this. And what she found is this. Because the Montana winters are so fierce and it's so cold, the people, in order to make themselves more comfortable, to elevate the quality of their lives, they insulated their houses very thoroughly. But what they insulated it with was a form of asbestos vermiculite. And when she found out that it was asbestos in the walls in these homes, that it was not in fact making people warmer and more comfortable, but it was in fact slowly, silently, secretly destroying their health and their lives, so she, she sent the alarm out and she tried to tell everybody in the, in the government in her area there and then nobody was listening to her. She tried to tell neighbors, friends, nobody listened to her. They didn't want to hear it, they were comfortable, they were warm because of whatever it was in their walls and they could not believe that what they could not see that didn't make any sense to them, that it could somehow be affecting their health. How could something, I can't even see it, it's inside my walls, how can it be affecting my health in this detrimental way? They didn't believe it. She goes to NPR, she goes to other government sources and finally she starts getting some traction on this issue. Look at the results. In total, over 400 people died, I'm gonna add unnecessarily, died from the substance. And over 1,200 other people unnecessarily were affected. In the end, the EPA spent $120 million on the cleanup. A special asbestos clinic was set up to do, uh, was set up to treat the residents. So here we have people Believing that something was making their life better, more comfortable, more enjoyable, keeping them warm, was slowly, secretly destroying them. Now I'm going to close with this thought matters what we believe. Could it be possible that some of us in here have knowingly or unknowingly embraced some beliefs? We're pursuing some things because we believe they're going to make us more comfortable. They're contrary maybe to what God says is right and good. Maybe he even calls them sin and Jesus wants to set us free from it. But we're embracing them because we're convinced that, man, my life would never be happy if I had to exclude that or change that. But maybe it's something that we think is going to make us more comfortable. But, but are, are there hints, maybe there's even little, little symptoms that it's in fact slowly, secretly, silently destroying us or our relationships or our life in general it's something to ponder one last question for all of us might we benefit in this year 2020 might we all benefit if we said you know this is going to be the year that I'm going to really get into God's word and let his word get into me so that my beliefs might be more based on what he reveals is true about life And I can be sure that I sift out any misbeliefs that I may be clinging to that might be inadvertently hurting me instead of helping me. But I'm going to get myself in a process. Maybe I'm going to to buy a good study Bible or I'm going to get in a group or whatever it is. But 2020 is going to be the year that I get that light that Jesus wants to give, that, that light that he wants to give to the whole world. I'm going to get it more internalized in me so that I can live in that light. Let's pray. Father, you know each and every one of us. You know those of us that are still in danger because we do not believe the things that you would have us believe. And you know those of us who just need more understanding, more light in our lives, but perhaps we need schedule changes, habit changes. May your spirit just speak to us in this moment, give us strength, stir us up, motivate us that we might walk in your light. And so be your disciples. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.